0: Hello and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to be sharing with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews in helping you on your journey in finding peace with food. So today I want to talk to you about my messy road from recovering from bulimia to eating intuitively and finding true food freedom. Now, I have been recovered, and I mean properly recovered from an eating disorder for many, many years now. And I guess I define a full recovery as experiencing genuine freedom with food, so you can really get on and live your life. So this doesn't mean, I guess, having done some weight restoration, but still really struggling in your head. So, some people may recover in terms of have, you know doing the weight restoration, but still in their head they feel completely preoccupied with food all the time and they're holding on to lots of rules or there's this constant kind of gnawing preoccupation to diet or lose weight or feeling really dissatisfied with their body. So for me, what true recovery means is things like this. I can eat out anywhere you know, and I could do it last minute if you sprung it on me. In fact, do you know what? I would actually really welcome any chance for meal out right now, particularly after lockdown. And my focus would really just be on enjoying the food, who I was with, and the fact that I wouldn't have to do any clearing up afterwards. <laughs> it also means that I haven't binged for a very long time. And I may still eat for emotional reasons at times because some emotional eating is part of life, but I have other coping strategies in place So food is not my only self-care or emotional outlet. It also means I don't weigh myself or I don't look in the mirror judging my body. My weight is stable, and I think I can tell that really from my clothes, I don't weigh myself. But I know that my body is in its sort of set point range. And I know this because I'm not having to fight my appetite or be preoccupied with food to stay at this point. It's something that is just kind of in the background. I'm not having to focus time and energy on thinking about it it means as well that when i exercise i feel like doing it and i do really value my health and moving my body that is an important part of my life and i want to live to an old age however i don't punish myself and recently i didn't exercise really at all over the four weeks of lockdown i just didn't really feel like it because it would have meant doing kind of boot camps on zoom in the cold and the rain and I just wasn't feeling it but now I kind of have the flexibility to know that I can take a bit of time out and actually it doesn't really matter. I want to exercise when I want to and for the joy of moving. It means as well that I have freedom in life from day to day. I don't have to plan around rigid routines about eating or when I'm not eating and food is really in the background of life rather than something I'm focusing a lot of time and energy on. Now, having said all this, it's taken me a while to get to this point. You know, I didn't one day decide to recover from bulimia and then wake up the next day and everything was just roses and, you know, all easy. Far, far, far from it. So I'm going to share with you some of the stages of my journey to give you hope and perspective on how a recovery journey can look like. And of course, this is my journey, and everyone's is very individual and unique. So, yours might be very different, but I guess I just want to kind of really give an insight into the picture of what like real recovery is like. It is quite an imperfect process, it's often two steps forward, um, three steps back, whatever. Um, but I want as well to pass on some sort of hope and motivation to keep you kind of inspired to keep going with those baby steps, because you may feel that you're on the recovery road at the moment, but you might not feel that you can see the end in sight by a long way, and you might feel like giving up. So I really want to help you to keep going. So let's just talk a bit more as well first, before I tell you more about my journey, let's talk a bit more just about kind of eating intuitively and what it really means sort of generally to have a good relationship with food. So when we're eating intuitively, it involves going back to basics. We listen to our bodies and we sp- respond to its, their cues. It's their cues, sorry. <laughs> so you eat when you're hungry, you stop when you're full. And as well, when we're eating intuitively, we're kind of rejecting dieting. So the food police rules and dietary restrictions are thrown out the window with gusto. Everything is suddenly back on the menu, from delicious gooey pizza to soft fluffy croissants. All the foods that will be strictly avoided on a diet. And it's a return to eating previously forbidden foods out of a genuine desire to satisfy hunger, stimulate taste buds, and take satisfaction from eating. So it's not a mindless stuffing of biscuits at the cupboard door to numb the stress of a hectic workday. And intuitive eating encourages body respect through self care and gentle movement. And of course, like when we talk about it like this, doesn't it all sound so natural and instinctual, like breathing in and out? But of course, although it sounds simple, it's not, because it's sadly become very complex. In a culture where a smaller body is deemed better at whatever cost, and diets are sold by multinational companies in brightly coloured packages called wellness, it's tricky not to be seduced down this road. And devastatingly, body trust is a rare and unusual quality to possess these days. Appetites are kept in check by rules, plans and the external. And you might probably only be able to count on one hand the number of people you know who have a healthy relationship with food and genuine body peace. And that's just very, very sad. And of course as well, if life has thrown at you trauma events that have impacted your self-esteem, painful loss or relationship breakups, then this food-body relationship can be incredibly fragile and it can go flying off the rails at any point. And in these instances, controlling food and weight can become an unconscious coping strategy for emotional survival. And this is when disordered eating and eating disorders creep in, grabbing the diet culture messages as a desperate attempt to raise self-worth and feel a little better inside. So if you've struggled with, the, with your relationship with food, being governed by the rules and dietary restrictions, then getting back towards an intuitive eating relationship can feel like an impossible and unfeasible feat. But relearning to, need, to eat intuitively, although not a quick fix process, it is something that is possible. And even if you've been governed by food restrictions for months or years, it might take a bit of unlearning, but you can get back there. And I'm gonna tell you a bit more now by sharing some of my recovery stages. So, number one. So a major, major, major thing for me in my recovery from bulimia was starting to stop the restrictive eating and allowing my body to restore weight to a happier place. Now I know saying that is one thing and doing it is another. And for me this was a very imperfect and messy process. And I didn't really do it with any support which I would have really liked support but back in the day there was not an awful lot of support available. And in all honesty I pretty much binged my way out of anorexia and then had bulimia for what for a while. So I replaced one eating disorder with another everyone around me, because I'd then weight restored, assumed I was fine. I was far from it and my head was in an even worse place than when I had anorexia. Anyway, it doesn't matter. I'm in the right place now. (laughs) But it can be really helpful to have the support of a meal plan and advice from a dietitian so that you can gradually weight restore and also adjust your mindset accordingly. But I think it's worth saying that in reality, when your body has been starved, when you do start to eat again, the hunger will kick in and you will want to eat more. Now, this stage is quite terrifying. This ferocious hunger, as I've heard clients call it, is almost can feel like an unleashed beast that's going to devour you. And you can feel like you'll never be able to stop eating. And it can feel just so scary. It can create huge anxiety and overwhelm. However, I want to say to you, it's a temporary phase and this will pass. And unfortunately, there's no avoidance really of this phase. The only way out is through. And actually, if you can really allow your body to have the foods that it needs, this messy process will be shorter. Whereas if you are kind of in a kind of semi-recovered state for quite a while, you could be in this kind of messy phase for quite a while. So although it's really, really hard short term, it can be a really, really helpful thing to kind of go more with your hunger. Now, one just sort of caveat with that as well is obviously if you've been really underweight and you have um, been very emaciated, you really might need to have some support from from some professionals with this because you could be at risk of refeeding syndrome. But that's going to be only more relevant if you have been very, very underweight. But obviously... Do speak to your GP or professionals if you have any concerns about that because you want to make sure that you are doing it as safely as possible. So once your body is getting more of what it needs the ferocious hunger begins to subside and giving your body what it needs that means regular eating including all the food groups and stabilising your blood sugar. And you may still have some emotionally driven overeating episodes after you have done some weight restoration, but physically you are going to feel so much better. Because being in a starved state is like turning the dial down on life. Everything's an effort. You feel cold. You think about food all day. You can't concentrate. Your energy levels are so low. You feel weary. You feel irritable. You can't do the things you want to do. Friendships are too much effort, hobbies are cast aside and all your energy gets focused on controlling food. So although it's scary doing the weight restoration, there are some incredible positives that come from this. You suddenly have energy and enthusiasm to engage again in life. You begin to get back your sense of humour. You want to see your friends. Life opens up and things feel more possible. And you have some resilience to deal with day-to-day life without feeling shut off in an eating disorder bubble. And is body image hard to deal with? Yes, it is. And do emotions spring up, which have been shut off from starvation? Yes, they do. However, rather than freezing yourself in an avoidant place through starvation and almost putting your life on pause, you can now begin to deal with the problems you're facing. Now, I know as well, this can feel so scary, but really it gives you the chance now to deal with the underlying stuff. You know, it gives you a chance to like build new relationships, to get support, to learn new ways of coping and to begin to move on with your life. Because having an eating disorder, yes, it does protect you. It's a coping strategy. It's safe. It keeps you in a kind of you know, what I've called with clients sometimes, this eating disorder bubble where everything doesn't feel so intense, where life is really simplified in lots of ways and it feels so safe. However, there is such a cost to that because actually you just can't really engage with life. And when people sometimes look back to the years of having their eating disorder, it's an immense grief because it kind of does really pause your life. It keeps you frozen and it stops you really engaging in the things that are really important for you or to you. Okay, so that's number one, stopping the restriction and getting my body to a happier place. Number two, dealing with the emotional baggage that you've been avoiding. Okay, so this is a biggie, isn't it? I mean, it certainly was for me because I think once I wasn't using restriction anymore, um, i was emotionally all over the place um yes i felt completely out of control of my emotions i didn't feel particularly emotionally intelligent or emotionally resilient um i felt a bit of a mess really um however i kind of needed to be at that point to be able to even move forward and by stopping the restriction at least it gave me a chance to be able to move forward So it's really normal that once you stop using eating disorder behaviours to cope, difficult emotions will surface. And there's what I call the more surface emotions, which are more symptom focused and based around food and weight. And there's also what I'd call the more deeper emotions, the ones that are underneath your eating disorder. And these are ones that kind of trigger low self-worth and the things that may have unconsciously pushed you to use an eating disorder to cope in the first place. So it might be down to stuff that happened in your childhood, It might be down to stuff that happened at school, with friends or relationships. It might be down to a loss. It might be down to kind of trauma or difficult situations. It could be about all of those different things. Now, the surface emotions and the deeper emotions, neither of those are very easy to deal with. And in the early stages of recovery, you can feel that your head is in a constant conflict. And it can be incredibly tempting to revert back to old ways of coping. However, you're going to need to learn new ways of coping with emotions. And the good news is that, you know, learning to cope with our emotions more effectively, you know, that's something that can be learned. Yes, it's harder having to learn it later in life when you haven't maybe kind of learned that as a child, but it's really possible. Because if you don't learn new ways of coping with your emotions, you could just bounce from one eating disorder to another. So you may look recovered, but behind closed doors, you might be binging or purging or controlling your food or being super healthy and being governed by lots of rules. So in reality, you're not really kind of recovered from an eating disorder. You know, maybe your weight restored, but you're not fully recovered. You know, the emotional part is so, so important. So, this is when as well relationships are really going to be key in helping you go forward. And it might well mean that you need some distance from trigger situations or people that didn't help, perhaps in the past, with your self-worth or self-esteem. I know for me, I went to Australia for a while to get some space. And obviously you don't all need to go to Australia and it's not very um, possible in a pandemic anyway. But. Um, it's something about having some distance, okay? And sometimes that can help to have some ge- geographical distance. And it means as well, drawing people closer to you who can help. So it might be professionals like a counsellor or a dietitian or a support worker. Um, it might be good friends as well. And, I, and for me, talking with my close friends, I'm talking one or two here, not kind of hundreds of social media acquaintances, but one or two people that I could be really vulnerable with and share openly, And it also involved people perhaps who were further along the recovery road from me. So I could kind of feel hopeful and inspired by seeing them kind of living out their truth. And also with the dealing with the emotions part, it involved developing self-care strategies and ways of coping that could help me deal with emotions more in a healthy way. And some of this I had to learn through counselling. Some of it I had to just learn through kind of trial and error and just developing a bit more of my own inner wisdom. So for me, I would often overwork or overplease or overburden myself. And I would then, you know, historically have used the eating disorder behaviors to cope, whereas I had to actually learn new ways of coping. So this meant all kinds of things. So like slowing down, allowing myself some rest, saying no when I needed to, rather than trying to please everyone and saying yes to everyone and then getting really resentful and then taking it out of myself. It meant as well perhaps not overcommitting committing and trying to placate everyone around me. So I had to start to learn to tolerate that actually, I couldn't please everyone all the time. And actually maybe it would be helpful to try and learn to please myself a bit more. And this doesn't mean becoming a selfish monster, but it means balancing kind of your own needs with those of other people around you. So obviously that is a very quick whistle stop tour of dealing with the emotional baggage because obviously that's quite a complex and big area and that can take quite a bit of time you know i think i never actually had sort of official eating disorder counseling but i did have um sort of self-funded counseling that i engaged with myself and that was really really helpful and i don't think i would have made a full full recovery without having that psychological support too Um, Okay, so that's a whistle-stop tour of the emotional part, but it's definitely a significant step. Okay, finally is developing body respect. Now, I think the body image part of eating disorder recovery can often be the hardest because we live in a culture that values smaller bodies, and these toxic messages have been drip-fed to us over the years since we were born. So it is really, 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 really hard to reject these messages. Now, for me, once I was about 80% recovered, I was still tempted to dabble a bit in dieting now and then. Although I knew not to take it too far because of, for me, being really starved and really underweight just didn't work. And it just resulted in me having such massive binges and I was in such a terrible place. I knew that I couldn't go back to that. But I would be a bit tempted sometimes perhaps with I don't know wellness and going to the gym being a bit more lean I don't know you know kind of following different sort of plans but never really sort of sticking to them but there are certain things that really helped me to get to the place where I'm today where I genuinely feel I have good body image and where I have kind of let go a lot of, of a lot of those things that were holding me back So these are some of the things that have helped. And if you listen to my podcast episodes before, you will relate to some of these. And I've probably heard them already, but I think helpful to emphasise. So for me, number one, knowing that in 10 years' time, I will probably long for the body I have now. Okay, it's going to be downhill, isn't it? With skin elasticity, strength, and youth. So actually, it's so important to remember to appreciate the body I have wholeheartedly today. Because actually, thankfully, I have a healthy functioning body. I'm free from illness. Um, You know, I don't have an eating disorder. If I wanted to, I could sprint to the end of the garden if I needed to. Um, (laughs) I could run for a bus. I can lift things up. I don't have aches and pains in my body. And I am really, really grateful for that. I try and remember that every day. Number two. I know that my weight is pretty meaningless, okay? I don't weigh myself because I know if I'd started weighing myself, it would just be very seductive to just think, oh, maybe I could just lose a little bit and what a waste of time and energy. Now, I know as well, if I lost a leg tomorrow, heaven forbid, I could lose a good chunk of weight. But really, my body image would shift beyond anything I could understand right now. You know, if I suddenly lost a limb, I'm not really going to care about how fat my tummy is or anything I would just be longing for that mobility and just having a healthy functioning leg and being lower weight would really fall into insignificance while I mourned an able body so again it's bringing me back to the present and just thinking actually I have a healthy functioning body I appreciate that number three appreciating my body for what it can do aesthetics are temporary and even if I could wave a magic wand a perfect body whatever that means it doesn't bring happiness you know what really brings us happiness is feeling connected feeling we have meaning feeling we have purpose feeling that we can be creative feeling that we can get out in nature feeling that we can enjoy aspects of the world and actually by being a certain size or a certain weight it doesn't bring happiness and self-esteem that we long for Number four, I aim for body respect and body neutrality, paying less attention to my body overall. So my worth is not my size. My body is a vessel to move around. I can take care of it. I can enhance parts I like, but I'm not wasting time channeling so much energy into trying to change something that is me. So in the same way that I can offer myself radical acceptance about my curly hair, my foot size, my height. I'm working towards a similar acceptance towards my body. And finally, number five, with my body respect and appreciation, is looking and keeping focused on my values. So when I'm 90 and looking back on my life, fitting into a size X is really very low down on my priorities. I want to look back, you know, and to have supported people in my career and made a difference. I want to have been creative And fulfilled as much of my potential as possible and I want to have close friends who I value and have laughed and shared experiences with and I want to be close to my children and to really look back and think you know look back on life and just think I have um you know led a fulfilling life in the way that's meaningful to me and of course you know I've just described some of my values and things that are important to me you know yours might be very different but It's so important for us to get connected with what is deeply important um, for ourselves. So, that's my bit on body respect. So, I hope you've enjoyed this episode and it's given you some ideas and inspiration about, about taking steps along the recovery road. And you can also see that the road is messy and imperfect, but it is one worth taking. So, and just to recap on my main points, for me, recovery was really about stopping the restriction and allowing my body to restore to a happier place, dealing with all the emotions, and finally the body respect. And of course, this is a vastly oversimplified story of my recovery, but I hope it really gives you some insights and just to realise that recovery is possible and you can have it too. So I'm now just gonna do a quick little plug for my new course. So if you're wanting to know more about all of this kind of stuff, and you're wanting to really change your relationship with food, my Find Your Food Freedom course is now available on Teachable. Teachable is like an online training platform. Um, basically, this is a course which teaches you steps towards intuitive eating, having a healthy relationship with food and your body, and all those good things. So I'm gonna put the link in the bio, um, which tells you more info about all of that. So in the course, I share my knowledge and skills that have helped me in my personal recovery and also in supporting many of my clients over the past 17 years. So it's a mixture of text and videos. You also get email support from me. Um, It's self-paced, it's over 10 modules. So yeah, you can kind of do it at at your own pace. I originally designed it to take place over 10 weeks, but you can do it in a shorter or as long a time as possible. So it's packed full of all my best tips and strategies. There's loads in there. Now, the course price is £123 plus VAT, But at the moment, I've got 25% off up until New Year's Eve using the code food-freedom. So the code is also in the um, show notes below. So I would love to support you. And I have created this course to try and reach as many people um, to share like my support and skills and strategies in a kind of a really affordable way. And, you know, I really hope to see many of you over there and, you know, to be able to support you and because remember as well, you're going to get that email support so you can reach out and ask questions along the way. So I want to say to you, whatever stage you are on your recovery journey, you can learn to eat intuitively too you can find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And imagine how fantastic it would feel to experience the taste of freedom with food and to allow yourself to live your best life. So I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope to see some of you across at my course. That would be so exciting. So if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at The Eating Disorder Therapist. And for regular blogs to your inbox, do sign up to my blog page at rethinkyourbody.co.uk. There's a free and body image booklet there. And once you sign up, you're on my mailing list. So thank you so much for listening today. And I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.